Okay, here we go, here we go. Hey, let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, through the death and resurrection of your Son, you proclaim to us the gospel of peace. Grant that by the power of his resurrection, we may be born anew to a living hope, and so overcome the world. Through Christ our Lord, amen. All right, I'll go as long as I can. I don't feel horrible, but I think I'm through that. I just am losing my voice. Now, the bright side is Kirby and I went on a date last night. I can't talk and she can't hear. Our marriage has never been better. So it's like, this is, we're right where we want to be. Kirby's not here, is she? I don't think she's, oh, sorry. Yeah, I know, right? Um... Let's, let's talk about the capital campaign and kind of put a period on the end of it. Uh, back to normal life, right? And so I gave you, in one sense, this piece that ran on Easter, which was tried to, to prompt you back to normal life. Instruct those who are rich in the world's goods not to be proud, not to fix their hopes on such uncertain things, right? Uh, not such an uncertain thing as money, but upon God who endows richly with all things to enjoy. So... You're meant to enjoy life, but enjoyment doesn't necessarily have to do with money. Um, Tell them to do some good. Okay, you should do some good. Tell them to grow rich in noble actions. All right, you should do some good actions, like you should give money in the basket to Russia. How did I do? All right, good. Tell them to be ready to give away and to share. Okay, you all should give away and you should share. And so acquire a treasure which will form a good foundation for the future. So... Give away and share so that you have a good foundation for the future, right? Good job. Thus they will grasp the life, which is life indeed. And so there's something more than money. Although, if you read Barron's, you wouldn't know it. So yesterday, this little thing, I get, did you see this? So basically, if you lose 75% of your money, you have the same mortality rate as somebody who's diagnosed with chronic heart disease. Now, this is fascinating because Jesus, as you know, said... Where your treasure, there your heart. Turns out Jesus was in medical school. This is great. So, I mean, you can read this, but it's so interesting. Having wealth and losing it is almost as bad for life expectancy as never having it at all. Isn't that interesting? So if you get heart disease, you've got, you got a one in three chance to live for 20 years. If you lose 75% of your money, you have a one in two chance. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. So, um, but Jesus is so interesting, right? What he knows about us. We love with our heart and we equate stuff with happiness. And, you know, it's not, it's not completely untrue, of course, because you can trade money for all kinds of experiences. But deep down, there's, there's more. And so as much as the capital campaign was about, you know, kind of paying bills and moving forward and doing things. There's two things. That's re- one, two things at least. That's re- one is loosening your grip just a little bit, right? It's not your stuff. You're a, you're not a not an owner. You're a manager. Loosen up your grip a little bit, right? Do a little better job. And then, um, you know, beyond that is um, just to have the joy of loving God and serving your neighbor. So, um, if you get too attached to your stuff, it'll kill you. That's basically what happens. And underneath this, all this is, too, is you have to remember that Jesus trusts you. We live in a very privileged area, and it's rare when we have somebody among us who doesn't have enough just to make basic ends meet. Sometimes it happens. But part of this, now you've got to hear this really carefully, it's not because God loves you more than anybody else, right? 
But it is, in fact, true that God has trusted you with things. So he's trusted you with money. Many of you, he's trusted you with a lot of money, and the potential for many of you is very great. Loosen up a little bit, right? Be a good manager. This is a lesson in life. It's not just about hitting a number. It's about learning how to live your life and love to God and service for each other. So you just, you know, this is, a, this is about, you know, when you're under stress, people always say, you know, it builds character. It does build character. But you know what else it does? It reveals character. So going through something like this tells you who you are. You learn about yourself. You learn about what you're attached to. You learn about how painful it can be. You learn about whether or not you have the discipline to carry on. You learn about what you love. You learn about what you depend on. This is, um, you know, it's about everything but money in one sense. And then, of course, since Jesus says your heart and your money are this close to each other, and the proof is that if we take your money away, you'll die. So interesting. It's It's just so interesting, right? It's all so interesting. So here's what you should do. You should go back to normal life now. You should go back to normal life. Love God, serve your neighbor, you know, keep your vows, move forward. Think about something else for a couple of years now. Think about your prayers. Think about being a good witness. Think about being merciful. You spent three or four months thinking about money now. Good. Done. Think about something else. Let something else shape you now. Okay? Make sense? You still okay? Everybody okay? All right. However, I do know um, you'll ask questions because we can't really just text you everything you need to know. So I tried to give you a little bit here, and you can interrupt me at any point um, and ask questions. And I I want it to be clear for you, and then at some point we have to stop thinking about it too. So here we go. All right, so this first thing is kind of fascinating, right? Um, Y'all pledged um, $2.8 million about... And already in the bank is $2.2 million. I mean, that's fairly stunning. Right now, we asked you to front load. um, But, I mean, let's face it. uh, What's the difference between Jesus and everybody else? Jesus does what he's told. (laughs) Apparently, you're all Jesus to me. So, good job. Thanks for doing what you're told. And I know people. a lot of people struggle with this. It was hard to write big checks all at once. Now, the change in the tax law didn't hurt you that much. But um, if you gave last year, I mean. But um, it's amazing to have that much in right up front. And it's, the benefit has been tremendous. I'll kind of spell that out. But in general, um, you know, the aim is $2.8 million, and about 78% of that has come in already. That's a startlingly high number. I mean, that is off the chart size. So well done. Okay? Just questions about that? Any questions about that? I know there are a few people who are going to um, have sort of said I was out of town or I got things going or I got to see my taxes. There's a few people, but I think mostly um, people are in. So anyway, good job with that. Um, front-loading saved us a bunch of interest expense. I'll give you that in just a second, okay? Just for reference, um, when we were moving into the, this building, and that's easy. I mean, for a pastor to say, we're going to buy that building, that's the easiest, you know, the shiny city on the hill. That's the easiest. To say to you, hey, let's pay down $3.5 million in debt and let's do some projects, that's the hardest. Every, every consultant who comes in, uh, that's the absolute hardest thing. So you did the hardest thing really, really, really well. That's really, it's amazing, right? Which is a great sign of maturity. And 
the more you can have this be just the normal, this is just the normal thing we talk about, right? It's been, it's been, so this is eight. It was, we did this in 10. We did this kind of eight to 10 or seven to 10. You know, so it's been seven years since we talked about this. Maybe we'll talk about it again in five or six or seven years. We'll see what happens, okay? But anyway, great job. That's kind of the start. Now, um, you remember people, and this was confusing for people, two things that were really confusing for people is that we didn't set a dollar goal, and when pastors talked to people, they didn't make the ask. You know, the ask was that everybody's waiting for, like they sort of endure you. You can see like their teeth are gritting a little bit, and maybe their gums are receding from that. And then, um, you know, you, then and sort of people expect you to say, so you should... To be honest with you, I can't say, without like going through your finances, I can't say what any of you should do, right? And know who you're responsible for and what's happening. So, you know, what we said is, what we want is everybody to play. We want to be one community. We want everybody to buy in. We want everybody to go through the discipline. We want everybody to play along. We want everybody to have a good look at themselves. And it's your responsibility first to look at yourself. You know, your pastor can help you, friends can help you. But in general, you know, everybody play along. So then you get this number, right? 63.7%. And I'll go through that. And, um, you know, now what, right? Because I think I said to you that 100% was the goal, right? So is 63 or 64%, is that a good thing or not? Okay, so here's, I spent a couple hours, like, kind of Googling around, trying to read things about nonprofits, trying to get, what I found is church information is pretty, pretty is locked up pretty tightly, because church consultants want to sell this to you for top dollar. More on that in a second. Um, but apparently, you know, this is from Survey Gizmo. If you give, a, if you give a, a, a survey in general to people you don't know, you get 10 or 15%. If you give it to people you do know, you get 34%. That's kind of just a general survey. It's not really a general survey. But this is more interesting. Turn the page. So one possible analogy is a university. You know, what universities give. And you kind of say, usually people like where they went to college and they're invested in it and more and less. Just the part that's in bold. The best performing college or university in 2014 was Princeton, which, hey, look at that, enjoyed 62.5 annual giving rate. So the highest participation rate for any, any university that they studied in America is 62.5%. We're at 63.5%. So I don't know how you feel about that. I think I think I feel pretty good about that, right? Um, I can tell you I'm going to break down the numbers a little bit for why I even feel better about it. But in general, you know, I'm sure 100 percent. If I don't tell you, if I tell you that my goal is you know 92 percent, you should be asking who are the eight percent that I really think are going straight to hell, right? You should be <laughs> just seeing if you're paying attention. Okay. So um, anyway, I think I'm pretty happy with that. I tried to get church data, but um, churches live in a weird world. Like if you need to buy vestments, or if you need to buy altarware, or you need to buy hymnals, or you need to get church data, it's a very small pool. So the, per- the people who have things for churches, there's usually not a, you know, we don't have an Amazon for churches. Um, usually the, the margins are very high, and people, and I'll tell you a story about that in just a sec, Okay. So um, then our cost was actually pretty low. And we, we learned this, um, and I was going to, I sort of remember, I think we used a consultant two times. I kind of remember, although anybody who knows, I'm, you're free to correct me. 
I think maybe the first time we spent seventy or eighty thousand dollars on the consultant and everything that happened. Does anybody else remember from this? I don't want to make John chase that. Do you remember John? Is that about right? The first one's about right. The last campaign was more than that. It was that much more than the consultant and another that morning and yes. Stop. Stop. Right. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is is um, so the interesting thing was in the second campaign they liked our stuff so much they actually wanted to buy it and use it in other churches, which sort of then told us we probably could do this in-house if we got really organized. Um, and Martha Schlesselman, who she worked with us, used to take months of her life and just devote herself to this, and she was fabulous at it. But in general, 5 to 10% of what a consultant will charge you, 5 to 10%. A consultant plus all your fees will be about five to ten percent of what you get. So that would mean, in this campaign, we, you know, our um, our budget would have been if we had a higher consultant, about um, one hundred and forty to two hundred eighty thousand dollars, right? So we spent seven thousand dollars, right? Hooray, right? I mean that's good. John put all the rest of the two hundred eighty thousand dollars into the bonus pool for the staff. <laughs> We will write you from Aruba sometime <laughs> around May. Okay? So we just have a lot of really good people who work really hard. And Eric Baldry, who did your sign and who is too shy and maybe in the room or not in the room, um, he does this remarkable work for us. He did the cards, you know, and he does it kind of with in the middle of the night. It just appears in my box and it, they're glorious, right? I mean, they're so beautiful and so fun and so eye catching. and. Um, my daughter showed, around, showed them around Google Creative in New York City, and people in New York City thought they were kind of cool. So, I mean, like, way to go, Eric, right? So, anyway, it was, it was kind of fun to, um, to have that happen. Now, um, the giving is pretty remarkable. Um, yes? <laughs> good morning. I uh, know. Good morning, Karen. How are you? My voice is better than yours. I, it wouldn't be the first time you shouted me down. Come on, what do you got? Um, the 63.5% is that the percentage of people participating in the campaign? Yes, and I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear. I'm going to give you the numbers in just a sec. Uh, but, yeah, that would be um, the people participating. And that was a little hard to get to because we didn't want to be really conservative to make the um, number look bad. We don't want to be really kind of generous with ourselves and make the number look good. I'll try to explain to you what we did, and you can, you can see whether you like it or not in just a sec, okay? Um, this was pretty good because if you, if you uh, hire a consultant, they, they always say to you, um, you could never do this yourself. If we come in, we will uh, raise between one and a half and three and a half times your annual budget. Well, um, good, except uh, you should know that we did uh, by ourselves 1.65. So we did just a little bit more than a low end of a consultant. However, usually consultants go into churches that are just foundering and have no idea what they're doing. When you come into St. John, I'm not sure a consultant could do better than this because our base is so high. We have so many people who tie the real 10%. We have so many people who are so generous. If you go into a normal Missouri Senate church where people give 1% or 2%, I mean, 
Dumbo the Clown could get 3.5%, okay? It's not that big a deal. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but if, if you're... If, you're, if your base is where people are given 5, 6, 7% of their gross as a big group, it's not easy to, you know, get, you know, basically say to you, let's, let's double the, let's double, everybody double your giving this year. But that's about where it came out, right? So our budget, which you'll see in a couple of weeks, mark your voters meeting calendar for the week before Memorial Day for the information meeting and the week after. Not that we won't meet on Memorial Day, but those two. So there'll be an information meeting like always, and there'll be a vote like always. But basically, the budget will come out to be about $1.7 million. So we did about, you know, a little better than one and a half times. So that's, that's, um, that's kind of fun. Here's one of the more fun things. This is my anarchist side. So just as we were starting our thing, um, a young pastor from California called me and they had this fabulous ministry that they're doing in their congregation, and they want to raise, and it's really successful, and they want to expand it. So this isn't going from zero to something. This is really fabulous. I don't want to give too much away because I don't want to speak for them, but and I also don't want to get in too much trouble because this goes on the web. However, um, they were going to do a capital campaign, and they wanted to raise. Um, about $400,000, and they were going to get charged by their consultant, their Lutheran consultant, $77,000 for that. So he called me, and he said, you've done this before. What are you going to do? So I just said, so I hope you're all good with this. I just said, hey, you know what? I'll just send you everything we got for free, and you can sign your name to it, and let's just see how it goes. It's kind of a blind taste test, okay? So um, it's been interesting because so we have this capital campaign going here, and then there's a parallel universe going on in California, right? And uh, he's calling me every couple of weeks going, oh, this happened. I'm like, yeah, that's going to happen. And the most interesting thing was about Lent 4, he called me and he said, everything is just going to hell. People are kind of, there's one group that's like all in and another group that's all prickly and da-da-da, you know, and i just like, yeah, normal stuff, right? Especially for the first time. So he sent me a post-Easter note. Their goal, their initial goal, it's a smaller congregation, it was $400,000. They have $410,000 with half their pledges in, right? So I was like, all right. That's 102% for free. And, you know, so it's very interesting what happens if people just talk about it. If you just talk about it, it kind of tends to, the Lord tends to bless it and it kind of works out. Okay, you all good? All right, now, unless you're a math nerd, you can fall asleep for a second or pray for your pastors. Um, <laughs> or whatever else you're doing um, during church. By the way, we can see you when you're on your cell phone. So, um, <clears throat> how are we going to... Um, and while, I, while I'm saying other things that I should say, uh, a bunch of people um, remembered us. They said to us, you're in, in our will. If, if we are, and I'm going to say this to everybody who's ever turned to thing, John Crow and I have a file that's kind of buttoned up tight, of people who have said, um, St. John's remembered my will, do two things for us. Um, give us the name of your executor and give us the name of your lawyer, even the lawyer who did the will. Even if you've given us that in the past, if you could just please do that. Um, when you die, we are disconnected, right? And you've said to me, and this has happened to me several times over the course over, over the course of the time I've been pastor here, I've had several people who have said to me, 
you're in my will, or you're going to get $50,000 or $100,000, the church is going to get this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then nothing, and I always think to myself, kind of what happened. And I've talked to a few attorneys who kind of say, don't worry, it'll all grind it out. Attorneys are very pure-hearted people. They just believe it's all going to work out. I'm a pastor, right? I've seen the darkness. Joseph Conrad, the horror, the horror, right? So you could help me if you would just give me some contact information with the fact that you're leaving us, you know, your account at the Las Vegas Sands, which is presently $10 million up, okay? Let us know where your Bitcoin are. We don't know without that really long code, okay? Can we just lose things? If you remembered us, and there's, I don't know, 15 or 20 people, you should send us a letter, please. Hi, Pastor. Here's my executive and the contact information. Here's the lawyer who did the will. Those two things will make our lives much, much easier and won't let you be frustrated if you really intended St. John to get something. Okay, make sense? Please help, please help. As long as we're all being grown-ups and talking about this. All right, so now the question is, how do, how do we get to participation? And this is um, only because we have, you know, the resident math genius, Pastor Bukes, working on this and with John. And they spent literally back and forth, you know, through the course of a week. How about this? How about that? Push, pull. How about this? I'd go down and say, where's the number? And they'd like, ah, we're, working. Ah, we're, we're doing it a different way, okay? I said, the problem is, is, you know, I have to explain it to you at some point, right? So you have to make it easy. So here's my easy way to explain it to you. Um, participation means you did something extra or something ordinary. You ready? So this is what that means. The extra part is easy. Something extra means you filled out a pledge card. Even if you filled out a pledge card and gave a dollar. Great, that's what we ask because we want a participation. Something extra means that you either filled out a pledge card and gave some money or just gave some money and said, this is for the capital campaign. Make sense? Everybody good there? You all good? Something ordinary means um, you had a bump in your ordinary giving. It doesn't mean you left your giving the same. It means that people bump their giving, and we can tell you that it's like a punch of a button in the computer. We run all that stuff out. So suddenly you increased your ordinary giving 5% or 10%, right? It's easy for us. We have all that data, and we can see that. And you may not have filled out a pledge card, but that's, remember we always said do the ordinary first, do the ordinary first. So some people took us right, and that's fabulous. Do the ordinary first. They just bumped up. So it makes sense. You're part of the numerator. You're part of the, the top um, if you did something extra, did something ordinary. You all good? That makes sense? Everybody got that? I should have taught math. Okay, then the denominator, right? So against what? Now, this is harder. Active members. So we're trying to think about what makes an active member. You know, when I came here long, long ago, there were... Two or three thousand names on the book, right? Because you look good in the Senate if you have a lot of names on the book. So people go, oh, they say, how many people are on your books? 2,700 families. Oh, yeah, they just think, well, you're wonderful and you must be so busy and blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, those people were dead, had moved to Guam, you know, turned Catholic. There were all kinds, you know, it's taken 20, but now, you know, our, our books are so, like, we know where everybody is, okay? And we know what's happening with most of them. So here's what you had to do. You're active, 
And this is the constitutional definition at St. John. So our constitution is written this way. If you've been here in the last year, if you, oh, sorry, start again. If you haven't been here in the last year, you're inactive. If you haven't been here in the last two years, you're out of the congregation. Okay? And if you want this, it's uh, Article 13D. We have the world's worst constitution, really long. It looks like warranty on that Japanese robot you got for Christmas. Okay? It's horrible. All right? So we had to say to ourselves, what should we do? Okay, well, so active members, just kind of thinking about the Constitution, which says you're inactive if you haven't been here for a year. So we said you're active if you gave us one day and one dollar, and we even expanded it since January 1 of 17, right? So if you're a Christmas and Easter person, or maybe you're just a Christmas person, right? If you came here one time and signed in for a service, Right? If you came here one time, or if you gave one, and if you gave one dollar, that's the bottom line. So we have a bunch of people that we don't know where there are. We don't have a reasonable expectation. That's this, okay? For example, we're very interested in baptizing kids because sometimes kids get ahead of their parents. Kids are saying, baptize me, baptize me, and we're like, oh, we love children. So, for example, we have 22 babies on the books. You remember how you're, I'm a pastor? I believe what you tell me. We have 22 babies on the books where the parents said, baptize my baby now and I'll join next year. So 22 times in a row, the pastors have baptized the baby and then the parents moved to Vancouver, apparently. No, we know where they are. But so, so here's the thing. I am a pastor. Um, you know, it's Ezekiel 20. Oh, Lord, you have duped me and I have been your dupe, Right? I believe what you tell me. If you say, don't worry, baptize my kid and we'll join, what do I think? Oh, we're going to baptize your kid and you'll join. So I have 22. I had no reasonable expectation that any of those babies would dip into their trust fund to give a million dollars to the capital campaign, okay? So they're on the books as active members, but we, we took them out, for example. Does that make sense to you? So technically, are they members? Yeah. Do we have any reasonable expectation they'll give anything? No. Should they be counted in the participation rate? No. Okay. So, you got it? When it's all said and done, we had 223 families who did something extraordinary, and out of 350 families, so it's 223 over 350, a little simple math there, 63.7. Okay? You all good? Okay. Math nerds unite. Okay? Venn diagram time. Here it is right here, Okay? There are actually 506 families on the books at St. John. You will say to me, oh, you will say, doubtless you will say to me, Lord, why do you? If you have 506 families, why is, there, why is the denominator 350? Well, because we took out the 22 babies who are families, but they haven't joined yet. There are also 154 families that have, who haven't been to church or given to St. John in the last year. So what we try to do is convince them to come back. I'll also say to you, we're pretty rigorous now about if at the two-year mark, if people don't want to know us and don't come and don't give, the governing board you know, votes and they go off the books. It doesn't mean we don't like them, won't help them. In fact, our pastoral thing is, let's say that um, you know, you're a knucklehead and you leave for four years, okay? And then suddenly on, you're on the road to Damascus and you get knocked off your horse and you say, I should have gone back to St. John." Who are you, Lord? I'm a member at St. John in Wheaton. So let's say 
you'd come back. What we would say to you is, we love you, welcome back. There's nothing punitive or punishing about it. It's just, let's kind of go through it again and renew our vows, right? So if you, if you sort of do the math, um, we've got 154 families who haven't been here. That is, we have a, we've got 30 of them been to church. We've got 143 of them been given. Um, and then, you know, you've got some people who, um, but suddenly gave some money. So anyway, it basically works out like that Venn diagram over there, okay? Um, you've got 154 families total. So you've got 124 miscreants who um, haven't, uh, I think that hasn't been to church. And then you, oh, it's on the next page. You add back the 20 families who are active, but who, yeah, suddenly we get 20 families who are inactive who suddenly give to the capital campaign. We're like, who are you people, right? We would give you the Lord's Supper for free, but no, no, you have to cross us up by writing a check. We're like, so we got to add back the 22 families who weren't active, and then they decided to be active. In any case, our denominator gets to be 330 plus 2350, right? Now, here's the other thing. As soon as we had the Easter Vigil, these numbers aren't good anymore because we had, I don't know, 27 people join. But then they weren't really, although some of the new members did contribute to the capital campaign, that was very nice, but they weren't members yet and all of that. So anyway, roughly speaking, 222 over 350 gets us to what could reasonably be expected. It'd be great if the other, you know, if the balance of those people would come forward and say, hey, we want to play too. I mean, really, part of it was the whole, the whole, the whole, interest in us saying to you, fill out a pledge card and give a dollar just so we know that we're li- that you're listening, right? That we're communicating. So, y'all good? Everybody still okay? Questions about any of that? I know you feel like you're taking SAT prep right now, but talk to, talk to Bukes. So, I presume your big question is, where's the money, right? Yeah, it's all in Bitcoin. Don't worry. It's going to be great. <laughs> don't, don't worry. I have the number written on the back of my hand and, oh, I showered. Holy cow. <laughs> uh, never mind. The first two million bucks went straight to the bank. So the governing board um, did a really good job when we were doing this and, and basically said, you know, the first two million bucks will go to the bank, which was then easy because we always have to have instructions. We want to do what the congregation wants. We know what the congregation wants in some sense by what the governing board tells us. So the first two million dollars went right to the bank, and John started doing that in December. And um, our monthly payment dropped from 22501 right, 20, to 9672 right? So we basically have um, an automatic in- increase in cash flow of about $13,000 a month. That's a lot of money, right? Let's try to stay calm. But, um, <laughs> right? Because, you know, well, right? So our mortgage debt dropped then from about $3.5 million to about $1.48, right? The next half a million will go through the projects that I described a little bit, but basically lighting and flooring and ceilings and upgrades and locks and the sanctuary and the sound. And, and we can't do those all at once. Even if we had all the money now, we couldn't do it. We can only manage so many, um, we can only manage, you know, three or four things beyond, you know, the thing like the organ. You know, we're not building the organ, but the organ takes a lot of John's time. I mean, John is the guy that's really done the organ start to finish and made it be fabulous. It's been a lot of work. Um, 
he just does a really good job with, you might have, if you came during the week, you know, you saw um, a flatbed delivering stone. Did anybody see that? None of you called me in the night. But, um, you know, John called this the flooring place. It just happened they're moving. And so they gave us all of the stone for our projects at about 40% off. Because the guy said, if you don't make me move it, I'll give you 40% off the price. I'm like, we can start for 40% off. That's great. So that project will bump up the list because we were able to get a good deal on it. So things move up and down depending on the contractors, depending on our time, depending on where we can get a deal. But, uh, you know, over the next few years, if you kind of think about, so you got $2.8 million, 2.2 is in. So if you're kind of given roughly over the next three years $200,000 a year, that's a project or two, and they'll basically sort of come as the money comes. Make sense? Everybody still okay? All right. Um, so, money's in the bank, projects are being started, and the governing board then has to figure out sometime in the next year as money comes in what they want to do after. Now, two things. Um, number five, everybody relax. Keith Kovac, I love him, in the last capital campaign, you know, once kind of leaned back in his chair and said, Pastor, what everybody always needs to remember is money comes in in pickup trucks and it goes out in dump trucks, Right? And I was like, you know what? That's really good advice from a guy who manages construction teams and stuff. It's great. It's, it's hard to, it, you know this, it's hard to make your paycheck. It's easy to spend your paycheck, right? It's hard to participate in a capital campaign. It's easy to spend the money, right? So everybody, yeah, it sounds like suddenly we have this cash flow of $13,000 a month. Yeah, we also have $2 million worth of things that need to be fixed, Right? We still have a million and a half dollars in mortgage payments. Um, so I just, you know, this is for, I've said for elders, for governing board, I've already said it to the staff, for all of you, everybody just relax, right? Because at the end of the day, $2 million in a church's size isn't that big, much money. It's a lot of money, and then we think about it, you could spend $2 million this afternoon. So just, you know, tranquilo. Everybody, like, it's going to be fine. And governing board members, you can think about this, but everybody just kind of relax because unlike many churches that run like a bankruptcy, just after that are many churches whose books don't look anything like a small business that runs a million or $2 million through. Our books are pristine. And, you know, we do things that other churches don't do, like we actually think about amortization, and we actually have money put away for a rainy day, and we don't have any fake accounts that have a number but don't have anything behind them. We don't have any of that. And that had been the case when I came here, and it was the case for the first 10 or 15 years I was here. John has cleaned up everything, and we've had some good treasurers. Stephen Nyquist, a great treasurer now. He's a pricing guy. He's an Ernst & Young you know, guy. He knows what's going on. And I don't even think about it. I just ask them, you know, what's what? But I know that people who are smart, when they look at that, for people who can understand it, they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. It should be done this way. This is how you should do it. And we also have an auditor, although we'll have to change because he's been taken up. We were using the auditor from the Diocese of Joliet. All he does is churches all day long. Um, unfortunately, he's been taken ill, so we're going to have to replace him this year. But he used to come in. I don't even know his first name. I just He would sit down at a desk for three days and kind of look at you the way auditors do. <laughs> And then he would go away and tell us everything was okay. So um, anyway, everybody just kind of, you did a great job. Now just relax. Things will come. If you have questions, ask them. 
If you have needs, let us know. But in general, you know, we took in $2.2 million and $2 million of it went. So we got a few hundred thousand dollars lying around, which is, you know, one project or two, right? <laughs> Questions about any of that? Please. Now that we've, um, we've already budgeted the twenty-two five per mortgage, and as my understanding is with our congregation, we meet our budget pretty good. Why don't we take that extra 13000 and just constantly keep giving it to the mortgage and to the principal and cut that down? Yeah, that's one part. Um, so I have, I have two answers for you, but this is a good conversation to have. One is because we still have $2 million in things that need to be fixed, and we haven't fixed them, right? So... Um, we have everything from, and kind of big things. We've done the roof, but, you know, like the doors, our doors don't lock. And they're French. Have you ever met anybody who was French? <laughs> the, they're very much like our doors, which are proud and finicky. What? <laughs> so, um, you know, the doors lock when they want to lock, you know. And to replace all the doors in the whole building, right? And then if you replace them, you should probably replace them with passes that tell us, oh, Barboma just entered the building at 1.13 a.m. and made her way directly to the safe back in the, <laughs> we'll just want to talk to you in the morning, but I'm going to go ahead and sleep till 6, so, right? So one is we have a bunch of things to do. The other thing, and this is a philosophical question, so I'll just ask you this question, and there are people who are on all sides of this. I've asked the governing board and the elders. Part of it is, okay, look around all these young people you're slightly older than the median age of 39. You've also been through this drill with me three or four times, right? So when I think of Barb fondly, I say to myself, should I, A, take Barb's extra money and diminish the debt that uh, the young people will have to pay, meaning that anybody who's under 30 will never have any skin in this game? Or should I say, I think Barb needs electric that doesn't spark and light so she can read her bulletin, right? And this is so, so part of it is, do we want to say, people, sorry, sorry you people who are under 39, but do we want to say, all these people who have joined in the last five or six years really need to scooch through a couple of capital campaigns so they keep skin in the game? Make sense? And that's a philosophical decision. Do you want to have, we could have a church with no mortgage, or we could have a church with a mortgage that reminds people, hey, this isn't easy, Right? And John, again, did a brilliant job of renegotiating all our stuff. And, you know, it's like bank jive when you hear these guys talk about 20-year amortization, five years, and repay, and you can rewrite it for free. I'm just like, really? I just want to know if we're being charged for the checking account. So <laughs> John did a great job of renegotiating our loan. I'm going to ask for a simple answer from a bank guy who used to work at a bank. When's the first time that we would have to, we'd be forced to recast our loan or re... How, how long is our loan good? That's kind of layperson. Is it 10 years? Three years left on this note. I can renew it. We can renew it for five at the same term. So we have eight years of the same terms. So that was a bet on eight years from now, we'll meet back here in this room. Interest rates will probably be higher. It's a fixed rate. Right? And it's a fixed rate. So he did a ton of really good work. But these are all the discussions the governing board and the elders have. So it's a great question. Thanks for asking it. And I, and I don't really know what the answer is. We'll have to ask people what you want to do. We'll ask you what you want to do. You let us know, okay? Whatever you want to But I will also say it's so interesting. People are so interesting because they almost always run the church budget the way they run their home budget. 
It is so interesting. People are so, it's like they run the church budget like their home budget or they run the church like they run their business. So if I have a doctor as chairman of the congregation, I know what my life's going to look like for a couple of years. If I have a consultant, yeah, he's going to take my watch, tell me what time it is, and then pocket my watch and walk out. Yeah, I know that. Sorry. Uh, if I have a computer guy, you know, everybody, everybody imposes on the church because that's the hermeneutic you have. That's how you see life, right? You go through life. The, the, the trick is to take all those, bundle them up, but then see the uniquely Jesus way that things need to be managed, right? So you opened a can of worms, but it's a good can of worms. You should forget you know anything about that. No, what you should presume... See, the thing is, is this is another philosophical question. We're almost up to 10% of our 1.7 million going to missions, okay? We're almost up to 10%. And I'm not one who believes that... People tithe to us. We don't tithe to other people. But the question is, we have a lot more pressing needs than missions because our missions giving is already so high. We have electric needs. We have lighting needs. We have sound needs. We have staffing needs. We have needs, needs, needs. That was the list of the two million bucks. So when we work through the $2 million thing, be glad to talk about that. But the missions giving is so high right now, like 10%. It's a, you know, it'd be sort of like you have to balance all these things together. So you know, I want to tell you that you're saving $13,000, but it's a little like I don't want to tell you. But I got to tell you. But I don't want you, uh-oh, a treasurer consultant coming back at me. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so John has drafted the budget for the government board, so it's for next year, and it has the, the new mortgage payment in here. And so as you, as you see the new spending guide and start looking at what we're planning on spending next year, you should, you should know that that's all being so in terms of spreading things out and figuring out where the money's going, that's all considered for the yeah, sure. When it comes to this information, you'll see where those dollars shift to. Yeah. Uh, and so it from our capital, which is not only I mean, for the first time, you know, this is being run like a small business has had $2 million a year going through it. For the first time, we've kind of passed muster. It took 22 years. But for the first time, we look at things where kind of all accountants would nod at this and go, yeah, that's the way you're supposed to do it. Questions? One last thing, then. Advice from a hedge fund manager, right? Sometimes I say to myself, I just put in the word theology instead of economy, and I see what happens with an article. So I've given you an, an article, kind of rando article from a, um, about a hedge fund manager. Uh, but what's interesting to me is <clears throat> it's how people think about the future and think about money, okay? So just kind of look at this. Um, you, know, no, you know, I got nothing on this guy except that you know, he made $708 million when everything collapsed in 08. So he was at least prescient there. But um, just look at the third paragraph, okay? Hints and his colleagues study theological interactions and imagine the detailed what-if scenarios which help them forecast turning points in the various markets. Now turn the page. This is what I want to urge you toward, right? This is what you need to do. There will be a reassessment of the growth path 
rather than a reassessment of whether we're growing at all. So a reassessment. One of the things, I'll just be honest with you, with three pastors and no more staff, we're not sure we can grow anymore. We had a smaller new members class by about half this year. Part of that question is that we can't, we just can't. It's like having a restaurant, right? If you have three waiters and you have 30 tables in a restaurant, yeah, you can put in 40, you can put in 40 tables or 50 tables, but the service isn't going to be as any good, and there may not be enough food to go around. There's a real, we're kind of at a point where we're, you know, we don't know how many more families we can actually care for. So you have to reassess not just the growth path, but what it means to grow. This is what I'm thinking all the time when I'm reading this stuff. We're just this next thing, and then we've got to go. Knowledge has become much more commoditized. There's data everywhere. Even we can get it right. Model, knowledge has become much more commoditized because of greater frequency and more training. Here you go. To get a real alpha edge, right? You have to go from knowledge to insight. To do that, you need imagination. This is exactly the same in the church. You have to go from data to knowledge to insight to imagination. That's what it takes to go forward in the church. You can't just say, oh, we'll just do things the way we always did them. We'd never be where we are, right? And it's difficult. Knowledge, everybody can get knowledge. Data, that's easy. But insight, or as the Bible says, wisdom, which is the ability to see how the dominoes will fall, and imagination. Oh, everybody else has white dominoes with black dots. I think maybe we'll have black dominoes with white dots. How would that change everything, right? It's exactly the same. To get a real edge, you have to go from knowledge to insight. To do that, you need imagination. You get paid for imagination. And to develop imagination... You need to have a broad context and a broader understanding across the asset classes. You need to do a deep analysis. This is exactly what you have to do in a church, too. It's not just enough to know stuff. You have to process stuff, and then you take the process stuff, and you have to imagine the possibilities, and that's where we are. So everything has changed. The whole world has changed because we've got an extra $2 million in. Everything is different, okay? But now it's going to be a lot of work to try to rethink what being different actually means. And that's, that's kind of where we are. Thank you very much. It couldn't have been more successful. You know, you're wonderful. Uh, and, you know, keep going. Because at the end of the day, this is back office stuff. And we've got to get back to um, touching the little baby Jesus to people who need the touch of the little baby Jesus. Okay? Everybody good? Questions? You all good? All right, we won't talk about money for a while now. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, thank you. See you soon. Next week.